Welcome to the Awake Church Podcast. At Awake, our mission is simple. Know God, take action. We pray this podcast will help you on that journey. You guys saw a miracle this morning, like a living, tangible miracle. Musicians on the stage after they went to bed at like two in the morning, back up worshiping. I mean, it's like one step down from Lazarus being raised from the dead. And they were actually like, they, they played pretty good. You know, I was like, wow. We had cinnamon rolls and coffee to revive them. And it, I'm very, very proud of them. How many of you were here uh, the last two nights? One of the last two nights. Okay, come on. Thank you for sharing your house with us. Um, It was an incredible time. And uh, Matt didn't say this, but one of the most outrageous testimonies of the weekend is we took the middle of the night to let people know about hydrating humanity. And $63,000 were raised over the two nights for hydrating humanity. It was amazing. I just love how when we stop and surrender and yield and relinquish control, God can write stories beyond what we could ask or imagine. And so this morning, I just want to share with you guys some stories um, of how the author has invaded me and Melissa's life uh, in several moments and done more than we could ask or imagine. I can't believe I've been married 22 years, um, and I have a 20-year-old and a 16-year-old. Um, we were definitely kids when we got married. We were 20 and 21, and it's just unbelievable it's been that long. The days um, are very long when you're raising kids, but the years are really short, yeah? It's like some days you're like, this day's never going to end, and then you look back and you're like, how did those years pass so fast? So I want to share this morning from Hebrews 12, verses 1 through 3, and this is one of my favorite scriptures in the Bible, and this is from the uh, New American Standard. It says, therefore, since we have so great a cloud of witnesses surrounding us, Let us also lay aside every encumbrance and the sin which so easily entangles us. And let us run with endurance the race that is set before us, fixing our eyes on Jesus, the author and perfecter of faith, who for the joy set before him endured the cross despising the shame and has sat down at the right hand of the throne of God. For consider him who has endured such hostility by sinners against himself so that you will not grow weary and lose heart. Let's put your hand on your heart this morning. Let's declare over ourselves. David did this many times in the Psalms. He would say, praise the Lord on my soul. Why are you downcast on my soul? 
It's actually really healthy to talk to yourself. David modeled it. Let's just tell our heart, heart, I'm not going to lose you. Heart, I'm not going to lose you. So Holy Spirit, I ask that you would fill this room in a fresh, powerful way. And you would enlighten the eyes of our heart to see Jesus. Would you blow away the distraction, Holy Spirit, like the wind blows away the fog in each of our vessels on the voyage that we're on in this journey of life right now, we would see clearly. Oh, captain, our captain, we want to see you today. And we want to do what the writer of Hebrews has charged us with to fix our gaze on you. Where our gaze is broken and distorted, would you fix it this morning by simply focusing on you? Holy Spirit, like the hands of a photographer would adjust the lens, would you adjust the lens of our heart where we have a distorted view of who you are? Let us walk out of this room with a clearer picture of who Jesus is, who Jesus wants to be for each of us in this moment. Do what you do best, Holy Spirit, and glorify Jesus. Amen. So one of my favorite names for Jesus, I think we're going to spend all eternity trying to exhaust all of his names. Each morning we'll get up with Gabe and Michael and look at Jesus and go, oh my gosh, there's another side of him we've never seen before. But one of my favorite names that I've discovered here on earth is in this verse in Hebrews, and it's the name author. He's the author of the story. Have you ever been reading a novel and you get to like, I mean, it's like a thick book and you're at like that many pages left. And all of a sudden you're like, is this author going to totally just screw me over, part of my language. But is he going to like, how in the world is the author going to wrap up this whole story in this many pages? Has this author led me all the way to this moment to just completely ruin my time and, and disappoint me? And just within those few pages, an author can wrap up a story and bring it to a finish beyond what you could imagine. It's amazing how much we trust authors each time we pick up a novel, huh? You spend a lot of time in a book. And one of my favorite names for Jesus is that he is the author of our story. He can write more in a few moments than we could write in a lifetime. He can put more into a few pages than we could ever fathom. And everything that this author touches is transformed. I was thinking the other day that the first thing Jesus touched in his ministry and the last thing he touched, he literally transformed like the physical property of that thing into something completely different. The first thing he touched was the water. I don't even know if he touched it. He just told them, fill, fill up all these jugs here. We're about to make 120 gallons of wine. Jesus knows how to start a good party when it's ending. And he 
turns 120 gallons of water into wine. And the last thing Jesus touches is the wooden, Roman, brutal execution device called the cross. It's the last thing his body touches as a living man in that way. And he completely transforms this brutal instrument of execution into a symbol and a reality of eternal salvation forever. The last two things, the first and the last thing he touches, he completely transforms. I mean, the first thing he touches really, I guess, is a manger, and he turns it into a resting place for a king. A feeding trough all of a sudden becomes the throne for the greatest king that ever has been upon the earth. And his whole ministry, he's showing up. He says, follow me, and I'll turn you into fishers of men. I'll completely transform you. These, these fishermen that were throwing nets all of a sudden become these disciples who were throwing the world upside down. He touches blind eyes and they see. He touches deaf ears and they hear. He touches lame legs and they dance out of the room. He shows up and he ruins funerals and he starts parties when they're just dying down. He touched caskets and little boys come out of them. Everything he touches, he transforms. What an incredible author. And I believe that each of our lives should be these stories of transformation. That we should look back and go, we were this, but we're not that anymore. And I remember me and Melissa met 20... Four years ago, we've been married 22 years ago this Friday. And just so you know, we celebrated our anniversary before this worship night. So the worship night was not our, it was, it was great to worship together, but we had a trip to the Caribbean before this because we knew we were going to do, you know, so. But it was fun to celebrate with you guys too. But 20, when I come to my anniversary, I get super nostalgic and start looking back. I'm like, Lord, these last 24 years, I remember the moment me and Melissa met. It was chairs a lot like this, except they were green. Remember those green chairs, Matt? Green chairs at Morningstar in Charlotte, North Carolina. It was the autumn of 1998. And I walked into this church building. And it was about this size. And I remember walking in the room and looking up front. And there was this girl worshiping right here at the front of the stage. And I remember as soon as I walked in, I was like, I have never seen anyone worship with such passion and intensity. She was like this flame dancing in the wind. And the more the wind blew, the brighter the flame got. And I remember thinking to myself, whoever that is, I want to, I, I want to meet her and find out why she loves Jesus that much. And at the end of the service, a friend Walk me down. It was like in this side of the room, not this room, but a room about this size. And she was standing on one side of the green chairs and I was on the other side of the row. And my friend tapped Melissa on the shoulder and Melissa turned around. And as soon as she turned around, the same fire I saw her dancing in was in her eyes. I was like, this has to be the girl I saw worshiping up front. And it was, it, it definitely was one of those stories we fell in love real fast. We both were going to ministry school to date Jesus, and we said we're not going to date anyone. 
And two months in, we're like, Jesus, we said we weren't going to date anyone. And the Lord's like, this is my gift. Receive it. And we're like, okay, we surrender. And we started dating. And about a year into ministry school, we were engaged. And Matt Peterson was leading our ministry school that year, uh, both years. And the second year of the school of ministry, we, you did an internship. And me and Melissa decided to intern with my parents at a place for the heart, which is in Sofia, about 45 minutes from here. And our ministry at that point was about 15 years old. We were just building our first cabin with a dream to someday have summer camps and a school there. But my parents were pioneering the land. And we decided to intern with them and then go to school on the weekends at Morningstar. And Matt was our second year leader. And we were full of faith. We were full of vision. And we were like, God, we want our lives to be a story. We want our lives to be marked by moments of encounter with you. And I remember, I never forget, sitting in Matt's office in Charlotte, and, uh, and he's sort of crafting uh, an internship for us. And he asked us at one point during this conversation, 23 years ago, he asked, he said, what is one of the dreams for y'all's life as you get married? And how can we, how can we begin to go after that dream in your internship? And we both said, well, one of our dreams is to one day start a summer camp on my parents' property. And Matt said, okay, well, one of your school projects this year is before the year is over, I want you to do at least a one-night summer camp because there's a bunch of high school kids coming to our Thursday night worship that we would have on the land. And before the year's over, that's part of your school is that you need to host a one-night camp. And so towards the end of that year, we invited all these young people. And I think we ended up having about 55 high school kids that were gonna camp out. We didn't even have the cabin finished. They all camped in tents. They came on a Friday and they left the next Saturday afternoon. And it was our first overnight camp. And again, we're like full of like fiery vision. And the night before the summer camp, I was like, I remember when Jesus stayed up all night praying to pick his disciples. So Jesus, I'm gonna stay up all night tonight praying. Not a good idea before you're about to lead a bunch of high school kids. Um, but you know, so I'm just like, in my room, pacing, praying, prophesying, reading scriptures, uh, ready to stay up all night. And, and then I fell asleep at about 1.45. And I fell asleep laying on the ground. And I remember waking up like startled as the sun was coming up. And I was waking up from a dream. This was on the eve before our first camp. And in the dream, I'm standing at the, right at the edge of water. And I, I, the dream starts with me looking down at my feet. And I'm right there with the ocean coming up to my feet, but I'm not quite getting wet yet. And as I look up into the ocean, I see Jesus standing about knee deep in the ocean. And I look at Jesus and he looks at me and I'm like a deer caught in headlights, just frozen in his gaze. And as I look into his eyes, I see that his eyes are bigger than the ocean he's standing in. 
And as I look deeper into his eyes, I feel tangible affection just rushing at me, stronger than any wave could come. I feel his love just coming right into the core of who I am. And as he looks into me, I, I begin to see a reflection in his eyes of more young people. And so I look over my shoulder and the whole shore is full of an army of young people. And Jesus is looking at me, but he's also personally looking at each one of us. And then this sneaky Jesus grin comes across his face. Like this courageous, I'm up to something. And he smiles and then he just lifts his hand and he invites us to come into the deep. And we look at him, we look at each other and we're like, where else would we go? And we put our feet into the water. And as we begin to walk into the water with Jesus, we get like ankle deep and it appears that he's a little deeper. As the water gets up to our knees, he's definitely deeper. As the water gets up to our waist, it's just his smile on the surface of the water. Water begins to come up to our heart and we can just barely see him. And the dream ends as this whole army of young people are being baptized into the deep with Jesus as he's leading us further and further into his father's heart. And so I wake up, I'm like, Lord, I'm sorry for falling asleep. But I'm also like just full of this is what Jesus is going to do at this summer camp. So the first night we packed 50 kids into this small little room and I share this vision of like, this is what Jesus is going to do. And over the next, that next 24 hours, it was crazy the way God showed up and the, the way their lives were changed. And that began our first summer camp that we ended up for the next seven years doing summer camps. And it was like every year the way Jesus would woo in a generation deeper into his heart. And me and Melissa were ruined. We're like, this is what we want to do for the rest of our life. And that seven years of summer camp led us into a discipleship school called the 18-inch journey. And we just finished our 14th year of the 18-inch journey. And so for the last 20 21, 22 summers, we've been standing on the shore and going deeper into Jesus's heart with young people. And if you looked at the timeline of our life, um, I was thinking this morning about like, I wish I had a whiteboard, but if I could draw up here like a, a line from when we were 18 years old until we're 44 right now, there would be all these marker moments of where God just walked into the room, showed up, dreams like that, crazy encounters, crazy provision, these mountaintop moments, right? How many of you guys have those mountaintop moments where it's like undeniable, Jesus showed up in the story and his pen touched the paper of my life and he wrote something. And you have these marker moments but in between are all these marker moments are high moments of joy and deep moments of sorrow. And all these in-between moments. And I believe that all these in-between moments are sustained by thousands and thousands of yeses to God. And it's those moments of us opening up our heart in the mornings where the last thing we want to do is slow down and be with Jesus. 
because we're ready to jump into our to-do list and we just say, okay, just a few more minutes. I'm gonna stay here and open up the book and let you in. 22 years of marriage. How many are married in the room? You guys know marriage is sustained by those thousands and thousands of mundane moments of saying yes, yes. I didn't just say I do on April 29th in the year 2000. I've said I do thousands and thousands and thousands of times to Melissa. I get to choose her every morning. She gets to choose me every day. And so these mountaintop moments, I believe, are sustained. And these moments are, they come from us opening up the book of our heart over and over again. I want to look at another verse in Romans 12. One through two. This is Paul, and he says, Therefore, I urge you, brothers and sisters, in view of God's mercy, to offer your bodies as living sacrifices, holy and pleasing to God. This is your true and proper worship. Do not conform to the pattern of this world, but be transformed. There's the word transformed again. Be transformed by the renewing of your mind. Then you'll be able to test and approve what God's will is, his good, pleasing, and perfect will. So Paul in this moment is charging us, offer all of who you are to God. This is worship, giving him all that you are. And worship makes way and it makes space for God's glorious transformation in our life. I had a moment in 2000 with my daughter, Haven. She was uh, 15. And you guys remember COVID? Oh, 2020, actually. 2020, she was 15. Do you guys remember COVID? Did you guys heard about COVID? So it was a couple months into the COVID pandemic and we, I think it was, it was like the third week of May. So it was about two months in and you guys remember just the trauma, the fear, all the anxiety that was just in the air. And we had to cancel all of our retreats. We thought we we're going to have to cancel our school. And one of the saddest things is we're going to have to cancel our staff beach trip. We take our whole staff. We just got back from the beach, 45 people in one house. Doesn't that sound fun? It's awesome. Uh, and we had to cancel our staff beach trip. They like shut down the beaches. You remember that? They like closed the beaches. And then God just did this incredible miracle. They reopened the beaches at the end of May. And the house that we had rented, our renters sent us a note and said, we love what you guys are doing and we want to give you a week in May, even though we had to cancel the one you had at the end of April. And so finally, we're getting to do our staff beach trip. And to go to the beach, like during, during COVID was like, I mean, that was like incredible, right? To get out of your house and be at the beach. And we just felt so honored and privileged to be able to go with our staff and be at the beach. And our family is falling in love with surfing the last few years. So my daughter Haven was so excited to go surfing. And we had surfed a couple summers before and we kind of had that long winter of not being able to surf. So we were just longing for that first beach trip to go and surf again. 
And so hauling 45 people to the beach is, it's, it's not as intense as Moses leading the children of Israel through the, through the wilderness, but I, I kind of feel like that by the end of the beach trip, you know, I'm like, wow, this is a lot, Lord, getting all of us there and back again. Um, but we, we finally get all to the beach and I just remember my daughter Haven, like, just like, dad, 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 can we go? Can we go? Can we go? I'm like, we, we have to unload everything. We got to get everybody in the house. We got to, uh, you know, do all this stuff. And there's these moments as a parent where your children rip you out of your mundane prison of adulthood. And like Isaiah says, a little child, these children lead you back into the wonder and the astonishment of what the kingdom of heaven is really like, right? Unless we become like little children. And Haven's like, Dad, we gotta go, we gotta go. Like, will you come? And we were in the Outer Banks in like mid-May. The Outer Banks water is still really cold in mid-May. If you've been up there, we're all the way up above Duck in Kerala, like as far north as you can go. And she's just so excited. So I'm finally like, okay, okay, I'll go. And so we get our boards and I just never forget this moment, watching her run into the water with childlike abandon. And I'm just kind of reluctantly behind her, moping along, old dad. And I just, I, these are the in-between moments that I'm talking about. The Holy Spirit's like, are you going to say yes right now? Are you going to offer everything right now? Because I'm just as real in this moment as I was at that worship night you guys hosted a couple months ago when you gave everything on the stage. But in this moment, I'm just as real. Are you gonna say yes right now? Or are you gonna be grumpy old dad? And it just like woke me up and I'm like, yes, I want, I want it, God. And I remember I just like picked up the board and started running with her into the water. And then my old body touched the water. I'm like, oh my gosh, this water's cold. <laughs> and, but I'm still like, I, Lord, I, I want to go into this with childlike abandon. So I get into the ocean with her, and literally as I begin to get in the water, it was like a baptism into rest. I could feel the anxiety of the last two months of COVID and all the stuff that my body had been just tensing up with. I could literally, as I was being immersed in the water, I could feel it leaving me, and I could feel that detachment. I love that moment on Sabbath, you know when you're gonna take a rest day? When you turn your phone off and you turn your email off and you detach like a boat from the harbor and you begin to set sail into rest. And I could feel my body like literally like <sighs> taking a deep breath and the anxiety leaving as I was being immersed into joy, into delight, into the it is good. And I'm watching Haven like getting ready to catch her first wave. And as, as I'm literally like giving myself to rest, I found sometimes that the hardest place to rest is vacation because you work so hard to get to vacation. Parents, you know what I'm talking about? It's like you work so hard and then you finally get there. You're such a stress ball. You're like, I don't even know how to rest now. And like, that's what I felt like. And I, but I was, the Holy Spirit's like, will you say yes? Will you say yes? And I could just feel myself powering down. And I wasn't thinking about writing a worship song in this moment. I was just saying yes. And as I'm watching Haven get ready for that first wave, 
spontaneously out of my heart, I just sang. I give you my heart. I give you my hands. I give you my soul, all that I am. I give you my praise. I sing you my song without caution. I give you all my love. And like that whole next hours we're surfing, I'm just singing this chorus over and over again, thinking about Romans 12, thinking about, am I gonna fully give myself to this vacation or am I not gonna go back and like kinda work and kinda be on vacation? How many of you guys have done that? You've like, you're kind of on vacation but you're checking your email at lunch and you're doing a phone call at night. I'm like, will I actually give myself to rest? And I'm like, yes, I wanna, I wanna choose this radical resistance and fully give myself to this moment. And I, I wasn't trying to write a song, it was just another moment of saying yes. And I went back to my room and I'm like, I probably should voice memo that, because it feels really good. So I sing it onto my, sing it onto my phone. A couple months later, I, I go back, I'm listening, I'm like, oh my gosh, that's a really good song. And then we wrote it, it's on an album now. And we have these amazing moments where we have these songs that me and Melissa have written in our timeline. We have No Longer Slaves, we have Raise a Hallelujah, we have Catch the Wind. But in between all those songs that are written are these thousands of yeses, these thousands of moments of like, are we gonna stay on the beach and be grumpy old man, or are we gonna choose to get in the water with Jesus again? As I was getting up this morning after going to bed at like 1.30 last night, um, it reminded me of a moment I had here at Awake Church back in 2005. Um, it was either 2005 or six, but we were definitely in the gym. How many of you guys were at Awake when we were in the high school gym? All right, come on, you guys go way back. And I was uh, leading worship on a Sunday morning at, the, uh, at Awake and stayed up way too late on Saturday night with some friends catching up. And it was like 1.32 in the morning. I'm like, I have to go to bed. We're leading worship tomorrow morning. And I go to bed and I woke up with my alarm going off. You know those mornings when your alarm's going off and you're just like, oh my gosh, that was such a bad choice last night. <laughs> and and uh, it's like nighttime guy and morning guy. Jerry Seinfeld has this sketch about nighttime guy and morning guy and how they're like, nighttime guy's like, it'll be fine. And morning guy's like, don't do it, please. Nighttime guy had won the night before and morning guy was mad when the alarm was going off. And as the alarm's going off, I suddenly remember a dream that I had. And guys, I don't dream all the time. My dreams are kind of like that timeline. They're like once every year. Most of them are like these dreams I don't understand in between. But I have these moments where God will speak. And one of the practices that I had before I close my eyes, not every night, but most of the time, I'm like, Holy Spirit, here I am. I want to hear your voice speak to me. While my mind is no longer working, but my heart and spirit are awake to you, speak to me, God. I remember praying that prayer before I went to sleep and I woke up as the alarm's going off. I'm like, oh my gosh, that was the craziest dream. And in the dream, I was, it was really simple. I was, again, standing 
before something bigger than me. And I looked in the dream and there was this huge building as far as my eye could see reaching up into the heavens. And I, you know, in dreams, how you just know stuff. I knew that I was standing in front of heaven's library. I'm like, oh my gosh, this is the library in heaven. And as I walked into the library, I looked and there was this huge desk at the entrance and there was an angel sitting at the desk and it was the most regal, powerful librarian you've ever seen in your life. Usually when you say the word librarian, you don't think of like a regal, powerful presence. I mean, they are powerful, especially when they shush you, you know, um, but this librarian was just like, whoo, and it was heaven's librarian. It was this angel. And I look at the angel, and the angel looks at me, and he simply says, we've been waiting on you to come here. And I wake up from the dream with morning guy going, what did you do last night? And I get up and get, the, get cadence ready. Haven's a little baby. We pack up, and we head to church to lead worship that morning. And after worship, went back to my seat and sat down, and Matt steps up to speak. And these are the first words of Matt's message. One day, when we get to heaven, we're going to discover there's a library there. I'm like, okay, you have my attention. I'm like, I cannot believe he's saying this. He said, and we're, we're going to go there to the library of heaven, and we're going to find that there's a book on those shelves with our name written on it, and there's no other book like that book. And on the spine of that book will be our name, and we'll discover that our life is a story. And my story didn't start on September the 6th, 1978. My story started the moment God began to dream about forming man from dust. My story began when he looked into Adam's eyes and he didn't just see Adam, he saw me. My story, my story was being woven as he looked into Noah's eyes and he didn't just see Noah on that boat, he saw me and he saw Cadence and he saw Haven and he saw Melissa. And through all the wars and all the famines and all the plagues and all the moments Matt's sharing, God has been writing our story and it is a miracle that we're in the room right now. And one day when we get to heaven, we're going to read this story and be absolutely astonished at how God's been writing our story all along. Let's look at Psalm 139. We sang in the last song, some of Psalm 139. And I believe David somehow got a glimpse of this library as well. In verse 16 through 18, David sings, your eyes saw my unformed body. All the days ordained for me were written in your book. Before one of them came to be, how precious to me are your thoughts, God. How vast is the sum of all them. If I were to count them, they would outnumber the grains of sand. When I awake, I am still with you. We've been waiting on you to come here. I can still feel that invitation and that challenge and that almost that dare from heaven, like, will you come and let us write our story on your heart? Will you relinquish control and open up the journal of your heart and let me 
write my story. Ever since Matt shared that, I connected it with Psalm 139. Almost every time I've had a moment where I get to raise my arms and worship. Do you ever think about some of the stuff we do in church and kind of how weird it is? I was thinking about it last night because, I mean, it was pretty wild in here last night for those that were here. And I was looking around the room. I'm like, there's some people that have never seen worship like this. This has got to be like, I mean, I remember when I saw worship like this in 1997, I walked in the Morningstar. I'm like, this is the weirdest place I've ever been in. People were blowing horns made out of like rams and they're dancing. They look like flight attendants directing traffic in. Some guy stood on the stage and took a conch shell and blew into it. There's a guy that looks like Jerry Garcia playing guitar with his wife dancing behind him. I'm like, what is going on in here? This is the weirdest thing, but I want more of it. And I realized, like, think about how weird it would look if we were all swimming in a pool right now and you took the water away. Like how weird we would all look. <laughs> I think that's what worship looks like. It's like we're all in this pool of invisible water, just, just, just doing flips and swimming and doing the backstroke and diving in. Because we're in the spirit, like we're, we are in the spirit and our bodies are being played by the spirit of God. Like the wind plays the leaves and the wind blows into a cell and the spirit of God is moving through us. But if you walk in, you're just like, what is happening? And, and it's wild that we open our arms in worship, right? And so many times now when I open my arms in worship, I think about the pages of a book opening up. Going from this, I mean, how many of you have been in worship like that, you know? I see a couple people you like that right now. <laughs> but there's such a different posture from this in worship to full surrender. And every time I open, not every time, but many times I open my arms, I'm like, oh, this is another yes, or I'm opening up the pages and creating space for another marker moment for God to write a story. Heaven is waiting to partner with us. I'm so inspired by a God who would have so much faith that he would entrust the full story of salvation to a 15-year-old girl. What? Daring, wild, faithful God who would, the whole weight of humanity, he would entrust into a 15-year-old girl and if she would give her yes. In this moment where the angel Gabriel shows up, I believe it was just a mundane moment that Mary was having. And the angel Gabriel shows up and says, the Christ is gonna be born in you. And he, he unveils this outrageous story. And Mary responds without resistance. And she says that phrase, let it be unto me according to your word. And in that moment, the word became flesh. The story began to grow with skin and bones inside of Mary. In the book of Genesis, God says, it is good, it is good, it is good, it is good. So many times in the first chapter, right? And there's this moment 
in those first few chapters where he says a phrase that I think calls the angels to gasp when he says, it's not good. And they're like, how can a God whose only goodness have something in his presence that's not good? And he says this phrase, it's not good for man to be alone. And he puts Adam into a deep sleep and he began, he pulls forth from Adam a rib and he begins to fashion a woman. And as he's fashioning a woman from Adam's rib, he's creating the crescendo of his creation. All you beautiful mothers and daughters and women in the room, you are the crescendo of God's creation. The composer saves his, that crescendo for the last thing he releases to make his audience be in astonishment and awe. And that's who you are as image bearers of God. And he's fashioning a woman. And as he's fashioning her, he's thinking, this will be where I will grow. As he's fashioning her reproductive organs, he's fashioning her womb. He's thinking, this will be the place that I grow in. Isn't that crazy? He's fashioning the place that the word will become flesh in and he will dwell in. As he's fashioning Eve, the first mother, the first daughter, I believe he's thinking about this 15-year-old girl, Mary, that one day he will begin to grow in. And the word would become flesh in her. Yes. And Jesus begins to grow inside of her. And as we go into this week of Mother's Day, Mother's Day is this Monday. I mean, this coming Sunday. I was thinking this morning. First of all, let's all this week just step back and think about all the sacrifices our mothers have made that we could be here. I mean, I am astonished at the faith and the loyalty and the courage of my mother. I am stunned at the mother that Melissa is. But let's also be inspired that we could become like Mary, a dwelling place for God's dream to grow inside of us. Because I believe just as Gabriel came to Mary, he's coming to each of us each day. Will you let my dream grow in you? Will you let my story become one with you? Will you dare to step into the waters with me and let my dream grow in your heart? You guys hear what I'm saying? Will we dare to let our lives become a Bethlehem? Will we give to God the same response that Mary had? Let it be unto me according to your word. Let your story be written in my life on earth as it is in heaven. And I believe that these epic moments of your story are set up by the thousands of yeses that we make in the in-between. I want to look at Romans 12 one more time. And this is from the Message Bible. And I love how Eugene Peterson translates this. It, 
It challenges me and it inspires me to give my yes in the everyday moments. So here's what I want you to do. Isn't it good when you know what God wants you to do? Here's what I want you to do. God helping you. Take your everyday, ordinary life, your sleeping, eating, going to work, and walking around life, and place it before God as an offering. Embracing what God does for you is the best thing you can do for him. Don't become so well-adjusted to your culture that you fit into it without even thinking. Instead, fix your attention on God, and you will be changed from the inside out. Fix your attention on God. You'll be changed from the inside out. Readily recognize what he wants from you and quickly respond to it. Unlike the culture around you, always dragging you down to its level of immaturity, God brings the best out of you and he develops well-formed maturity in you. As I got in the car this morning, I'd already finished my notes and I wanted to close by saying, will we dare to be a heart like Mary's heart? to let heaven's story become one with us? Will we dare to open up our heart and say, let it be unto me according to your word? And I wanted to honor the mothers in the house, and then I also wanted to inspire each of us, men and women, to become mothers, become ones that say, heaven, become one with me, right? You hear what I'm saying? And as we got in the car, my phone rings, and it's a friend of mine that has... Um, moved to the other side of the world. I haven't spoken to him in a while. And this friend was given everything every doctor has told him because of what he's walked through in his life. The doctors have told him he will never have children. Impossible. And he calls me this morning as we're coming here, him and his wife, and they're on the other side of FaceTime and they show me two tests. I'm like, are those COVID tests? They're like, not COVID tests. Pregnancy tests. We're pregnant. I'm like, oh, this is outrageous that you're pregnant. And the Holy Spirit is like, remember what you're preaching about this morning? The Lord's just waiting for you to open up and say yes. So I want to close this morning with just a couple minutes of us taking a step a little closer, opening up our heart, and simply praying these words, let it be unto me according to your word. So Holy Spirit, wherever our arms are crossed on the inside and we're kind of locked up and tense, we just choose right now to uncross our arms. Wherever our fists are clenched, gripping with anxious striving, right now we open up our hands. If you want to, you can do that. Just take your hands and open them up before the Lord. We let go, Holy Spirit. Forgive us of our unbelief. 
Forgive us of picking up the pen because we're afraid you don't know how to write good stories. Forgive us of looking at the few pages left in this chapter and we have believed lies that you can't wrap this thing up into a glorious finish. Lord, we open up right now where we're in pain and where we're in sorrow. And we welcome you to write your story in our life. We breathe out the anxiety, even of these last two years of this pandemic, where we've carried it in our bodies. We step into the water. We step into the water of your purpose. We step into the water of your intentions. And we trust you, Father. We trust you, Father. We lean not on our own understanding, but we give in and we yield. So I want to put this prayer of Mary on the screen and just in your own whisper, just as we sit in the quietness of this moment, let's, this last phrase, be it unto me according to thy word. So I want you to speak that to the Lord. Be it unto me according to your word. That word according, I was thinking about a chord. This is a, a power chord right here. You guys know how these work, right? plug it into the wall and what is in the wall begins to flow through the cord and comes to the other end. Last night, my guitar stopped working because me or Matt stepped on this cord during our offering and it came disconnected. Right before our set started, I was like, why, why is my guitar not working? And then I looked over and the cord had come unplugged from the power source. And I was thinking about this according, accord. When, we, when Mary prayed this prayer, literally a connection happened. The seed of God, the source of heaven connected with her. Like this is coming, isn't it wild how far this electricity traveled to get here? It's coming from a power plant somewhere, traveling through all these wires like boom, like that. And as soon as I plug it in, I have power to turn on my hairdryer or my espresso machine from another source far greater than me. If I touched this, that source, it would kill me, right? And somehow the cord makes a way for power to flow. I want to charge you this week to make this prayer just in the in-between moments, on your drive to work, on your way back home, before you lay your head down at night, let it be unto me, God, according to your word. Reconnect me with heaven's story and write your story on my life as it is in heaven. In Jesus' name, amen. Thank you for listening to today's message. 
for updates on future episodes, make sure to subscribe to our podcast and leave us a review to let us know how we're doing. For more information about Awake Church, visit awakechurch.com.